Welcome to the Slightly Scuffed Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and we are on a time crunch. We have a lot of random stuff to talk about, stuff that I just thought of off the top of my head and decided to make that into a show. And I just rearranged my bedroom and my setup and everything, which of course means that uh, my microphone just doesn't work anymore. So now I'm back on this old scuffy microphone. I love the fact that you took the time to rearrange your setup and you are both uncomfortable and less functional than you were previously. <laughs> so, yeah, see, dude, that's the thing. It's just, if it's if it's good enough, maybe it's best to just leave it, you know? Uh, that's kind of how I've run my life for <laughs> an extended period of time. So I, I understand where you're coming from. I think, though, you probably did the right thing. You should always try and move forward, get some, uh, you know, get some new ideas flowing. Maybe you were going to find a, a setup that was even more comfortable, and you didn't. But you wouldn't know unless you tried. No, honestly, what happened is I created a, a lot more space in my bedroom. Okay, well, that's good. Which, which so you just, have room, room for activities, which is it, important. It absolutely rules. No, it's not even activities, dude. It is um, all about, like, the ADHD stuff. Mm, where so like it just is just less clutter. Yes, more it is less space, moving stairs. Yeah. It's like easier to get to my closet. It mm -hmm. is easier to get up from my desk. And so just you're like more likely to both leave your desk and get dressed on a given day. Well, it's more like put my laundry away mm. or uh I don't know, be willing to sit down at my desk because I know that I can get up versus like, oh, if I sit down, I'm like kind of locked in. Like, do I have everything? Do I have like you know, drinks and nicotine and have I peed in the last two hours or whatever, you know? Right. Big commitment. So now I'm just like, oh, do I want to chill at my desk? If if I wanted to for like 30 minutes, that's suddenly doable now. That's on the table, except for the fact that I don't have a working microphone. But in terms of removing stairs, I, I think I did a great job. And I don't know, just like it makes me happy that my my room looks cleaner, too. Well, excellent uh, anti-stairs work. You know, I'm a big proponent of removing as many stairs as possible. So uh, I support your efforts in this regard. Big, big F stairs energy on the podcast. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I the, the first two things are just silly. Like, I don't even want, want to talk about them, really. Oh, my favorite kind of topics, the ones you don't want to talk about. But here we go. So there is a big, limited, open tournament happening at... Uh, is it just Magic Fest Las Vegas? Command Fest Las Vegas? I think it is not a Command Fest, but you, you can't expect me to know this. I, I think it's like a Magic Fest and not a Command Fest. Are they separate it's things? It's something. It's it's a big thing in Las Vegas that is big not... things going on, yeah. Not tied to like a competitive tournament, as far as I know. Or mm -hmm. like an open competitive tournament. So then they announced a, an open tournament, and it was like... Oh hey, like look at look at this cool thing. By the way, it's like two hundred dollars. By the way, it's capped at two thousand people. Um, by the way, you have to pay to get in the event hall. And uh, by the way, it's basically just a grand prix. Hmm. Well, that all sounds pretty accurate to me. But I think that you are being horribly unfair to the poor folks at Wizards and just being extremely anti-capitalist right now. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want them to do? Only make a half billion dollars next year, not a billion dollars? There's literally no other possible way you can run an Listen. event like this, Gerald. This is what it cost 
This is what you have to do. There are no comparables you could look at, say, like a 2000 person flesh and blood event going on at about the same time or uh, a one piece TCG event in Las Vegas that just happened a few months. Ooh, There's no comparables. That's that's the first appearance of one piece on the podcast. I there are no comparables you could look at that offer Austin a similar type experience at a lower price point this is just what things have to cost and you sir are an idiot and know nothing listen this is another instance of a thing that is a good change but then the messaging is like look at this awesome thing we did for you 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 asked for this and like look at this beautiful thing we created. And it's just like, they go on to explain a bunch of stuff where at the end of it, I was like, this is just a GP. Uh, yeah. Why, why didn't like, you just say like, we now have one GP a year or whatever? Like, because the messaging nice. on that yeah. sounds bad, right? Uh, well, mm-hmm. I, to some people, I think it would sound better actually, but I, I actually think like there's one huge problem in all of this and it, it's pretty it's pretty simple to solve and this was to me the biggest misstep because like i i am empathetic that these events probably have to be more expensive than they used to be yeah i will yeah, say the idea fine. that they have to be particularly 225 dollars is just demonstrably false they, they don't have to be that that is a choice okay here's Every- the thing hold on uh, in relation to that if we got sealed decks that were like pre-registered and everything. Maybe um, you will. Uh, huh? Maybe you will. No, dude, come on. I'm <laughs> betting I'm betting we don't. But I'm saying like there are quality of life changes that they could make where I would be fine paying like basically any amount. Yeah. And the I problem is the price is going way up. And I think that uh the the QOL stuff is going way down, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's just like, obviously, when you have these discussions on social media platforms that are designed to obliterate nuance, there is no nuance in the ongoing discussion. I think this is both the most exciting event that Wizards has offered from my perspective in a very long time. It is the thing that I am most likely to play and attend out of anything I've seen uh, at the price that they are offering at. And it's overpriced. All those things can be true. Like, it, they don't have to fight yes. against each other. Yes, absolutely. And the idea that, like, this could not exist unless you priced it this way, it's not true. It's a decision. It's always a decision. Like, there's just multiple other games out there running events of similar. Not, now, I'll say similar. But, like, all this gets complicated because you're presenting this as a 15,000 person event, which it may be like, that may be the size of this magic fest in Las Vegas. I don't give a shit about the other 13,000 people. Like that is not what I'm there for. I didn't ask for that. I don't want it. You can keep it and put it somewhere else. So when you tie the 2000 person limited event that I am actually interested in to that, and then you say, Oh, the economy of scale makes it such that now it has to cost this much. Well, you didn't have to tie it to that. You could do it separately. Again, as all these other TCGs are successfully doing at a much lower price point. Right. So, and that's kind of my issue with them being like, oh, this is what you wanted, right? And it's like, no, we we actually just kind of wanted Grand Prix back where it was like, 
the GP was the main thing and you go and you see your GP people, not yes. you go in a room with 15,000 people and you try and find your GP people. Correct. Those other 13,000 people are a detriment to me. I Correct. do not want them. Yes. They, they don't need to be part of this experience. And I understand this is my perspective. So like you can make all the arguments you want why this is a good thing for magic and this is how magic is going to be going forward. Sure. I, I don't dispute that. You make perfect sense. And this is how magic is going to be going forward. I agree with you. I also I, think it sucks. I also think it's closer to something I want to participate in than anything else that has been offered. But there's still a lot of room for improvement. And the idea that criticizing the price point is just an act of ignorance where you truly do not understand what's going on. Like the degree of just vitriol towards people who might have an opinion that this is a little bit too expensive and the idea that they just can't know anything about what's happening it's like i, I think i have a pretty good idea about like what it's going to cost to run the tournament in las vegas how to get two thousand people to attend your event like these are all exactly in the wheelhouse where i have a very good understanding of what's going on and shit you can narrow it down to a tournament Happening almost at the exact same time, I have a very good idea of what is required to make that happen and where it can theoretically be priced. And, you know, we have our, our U.S. National Championship for Flesh and Blood in Las Vegas in August. It is a $50,000 U.S. National Championship. Uh, there's no entry fee for that. You have to qualify for it. So it's, you know, more akin to something like a small pro tour than this GP type thing. But it's also accompanied by a calling. And a calling is essentially a GP, if you're using the old vernacular. It's capped at 916 people. I think there's probably a pretty good chance we hit that cap. And That's a weird number. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that number's about, but th there's a pretty good chance we hit that cap. It's, it's a $70 entrance fee, uh, $20,000 in, in prize support. And when you look at the rate for that, if like it sells out, the rate comes to something, I, I think like $47,000. So less than what's being taken in in the payout for the US National Championships which has no entry fee. Right. Uh, but, but so to I don't know, make comparisons, I guess, like this this event being US Nationals, this is under your marketing budget, correct? Correct. Okay. So But but Jerry, it all is. And again, that's a decision. That's yes. a decision. I, I, I agree, but I'm saying like it, it is primarily a, uh, you know, event that caters to competitive players, which yep. is mostly the type of player that y'all are focusing on now, correct? Yep. So yep. it makes sense to then cater to those players as far as like the amount of rake that you take. Whereas Magic is now in an opposite sense where it is very much catering to the commander slash casual slash social crowd and yes. therefore it does make sense for them to take a higher rake from the competitive players but the rake on this tournament is four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars which can also be construed as 80 percent, right it, yeah sure it can be yeah so uh that is high <laughs> even even with what i'm saying that is high but i i'm simply saying that like you're you're like oh we're not taking like a big rake and it's like yeah true but you know no, like, but that's that's like all it's all beside the point like it, it, i you're, i understand you're it's a little to, bit you're not trying to make money on the event they are trying to make money on the event is that basically is what the it comes point down. 
I'm getting to. Like, yeah, you okay. don't have to make money on the event. And like, I don't know. Again, like the space for nuance is obliterated. The idea that like you would ever run an event and not make a ton of money on it is being presented as laughable. And from like a VC publicly traded corporation type mindset, yes, it is a laughable idea. And that's what magic is. So, but you get paid later, you know, it's like, weird weird ass trickle down economics but actually it kind of works in this yeah, sense where but they don't they don't have to care about that they don't care about that and they act like they don't care about that but to suggest is, to suggest that there is no other option nothing else could happen uh it's the cost of putting on an event in vegas that dictates that it was always going to be a 220 to 5 dollar entry fee uh, it, it's just demonstrably false which is where i get frustrated yeah. with it yeah yeah, yeah. and then there's also, I mean, there's just so many points of bad messaging. So it's $175 to enter this tournament, and then it requires a $50 badge purchase. If you just rolled in the $50 badge purchase and like said, uh, there's two ways to do it. You make it $175 and say you get to enter because you're playing in the tournament and you pay the century fee. Or you just make the entire package $225 and just be like, that's what the tournament costs to play and ignore the badge thing. I actually think that helps your optics a bunch. It does. Because because you don't feel like you're getting raked over the coals twice, even when you're paying the exact same thing. So that felt like a huge misstep to me. Um, yeah, like when, when you fly Spirit Airlines or whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, my flight's only like 150 bucks. But then it's like, oh, you want to check a bag? Oh, you want leg room or whatever? That Like that'll be another 50, you know? Yeah. Oh, you want like a beverage on your flight? You want a glass of water? That's another ten dollars. You know, it's like all these add-ons don't feel good, right? Yeah, if but they don't it, care. If you like package Spirit it together, care. yeah, exactly. Because they they know they get some people in the door with like the hundred and fifty dollar price tag, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's and, where Wizards is now. They don't care. They don't care. You're you're gonna pay anyway. I'm I might pay anyway. Like I'm telling you, this is the closest I have been to wanting to play a tournament. So it just doesn't matter. People are going to pay, and this event's going to sell out. I I yeah. would almost guarantee it sells out, and, uh, and maybe instantly. Do, do you want to talk about capping it? Because uh, I mean, you're capping your calling, and you don't even know if it's going to sell out. Like I, I think the capping is good. Yeah, I think it's important for planning. Uh, it, yeah, it's very hard to just have open entry and then you know, all especially, of a sudden five thousand people show up and you're just you don't have space for them. That's right. a disaster. Yeah, especially when you're trying to juggle like fifteen thousand people, right? Yeah. Yep. If it is the main events, maybe you can do a little bit better planning for that. But like, this is very much a side event. And also, I think that, you know, the, the fact that it's in Vegas, like you have to make commitments to travel there. Like, it's not mm-hmm. easy to just, you know, road trip at the last second or whatever. Um, it it may, makes sense to like make people want to commit to it and actually sign up for it and say that they're going to go. Yep. No, I agree. Uh I don't know. It's it's all so arbitrary because then you ask me like, well, what do I think this event should have been priced at? I don't even know if they got it wrong. Like like I said, it's going to sell out. I, like it's just, I'm I'm not saying they should have done something different. It's just annoying, and I hate it being held up as a look how great Wizards is. They have given us back everything we wanted. They're trying so hard to put away this program or to bring back this program they took away from us previously. <laughs> and yeah, it, it is, it is so laughable to present it that way. It's just like, well, they saw an opportunity for some more money 
shocking. They took it and good good for them. Yeah, right in e- line right in line with what I expect. I'm not even upset with the price point. I'm I'm slightly upset at the messaging because realistically the messaging is like and it, this could have even been spun in a positive way. Like look, we've been focusing on commander in our commander player base and that has been awesome but we also love our competitive community we know that these are the types of events that you want and we know that when there's like a big magic event like a command fest happening especially if it's like in your area it may feel bad to not have a reason to show up or whatever and we want to make it so that like the competitive players also can get involved in these events so now we are like running this sort of event or whatever i think that that would be like good messaging yeah, great messaging. And and then at the same time, the type of messaging I would use if I was in charge of like Wizards OP, I would talk about the price point and be like, this is a pretty substantial increase from where we were previously. Here are the reasons why this price point looks different. Uh, you know, tell the lie about inflation that every other company is telling. Sure, that's fine if you want to go ahead and do that. Um, but you, you kind of just lay it out, be honest about it, and then tell me like, why it's okay. Tell me why I shouldn't feel bad that these things have tripled in price since the last visit with them. The problem with that is I don't think they have a reason for that. Like I said, I assume that the QOL stuff is going to go down, not up. But if if they wanted to announce like, hey, you're going to get like this swag bag and, you know, we're going to pre-register your sealed pools and like, you know, pairings and all that stuff will be texted to you or whatever like that would all be awesome i'd be like okay i'll pay for that you know yeah I, I would i would love to hear a list of ways that my experience is going to be better uh but like you said i doubt that's going to be true i uh kind of nervous what the experience will look like for this event i think i just kind of want to sit this one out let it happen uh get some reports from the people who attend because the the complications of like the event being the size that I expect this event will be if it is like 15,000 people walking through the door that's that's not a positive like it just it makes things really hard it makes finding your people really hard it makes going to the restroom really hard there's just like a a billion different things that uh could not be all that great and I I don't know what like their tournament administration looks like right now. I don't know how good they are at running efficient, timely events that don't keep you, you know, waiting around all day and not doing anything. That's and, true. I hadn't even thought about that in so long. Yeah. It's been so long since I've had that experience, but I think the last few times I've had that experience were oddly enough in Las Vegas. I believe that. <laughs> and I I also think like my own personal appetite for that type of thing is just gone like i'm just not waiting around to play this game i'm I'm too busy like keep it moving and it's something that again from my own experience like on the flesh and blood side we've worked really hard to improve and to make snappy and our nice round efficiency has gotten really really good and tournaments you know close at a reasonable hour and then i hear things like you know stories from the rcs where you're playing till 10 o'clock at night and i'm like i I don't want that shit i'm too old for it like that's not what i'm here for um so it's just a question of it feels that things are simultaneously moving to a price point designed to target folks like me and then an efficiency level designed to make sure folks like me never participate. 
which is a very weird combination. Like I will, I will pay you any amount. I do not care. I, I really don't. Like if the experience is good enough and this tournament costs $500, I don't care. I will pay it. You can take an 80% rate. Do not care. But the experience also has to come alongside with it. And I, I don't think they were working to deliver on that whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, overall, I don't really care about what the price point is, but uh, when the rake is 80%, that is really bad. It is bad. Uh, yeah, and like I said, I, I don't even know that I care about the rake, honestly. I, I just care about the idea that this is like a blessing from Watsi, and we all need to yeah, I mean, kneel that down messaging... at their feet and appreciate what they've given us because it's so hard for them to run a tournament and they found a way to do it despite all the hardship and uncertainty in their billion dollar lives they put it together for us and just so thankful to have a company that is looking out for us the way they do yeah that messaging is it's always gonna bug the hell out of me same but whatever okay cool cool discourse uh let's let's get on to some other cool discourse um did you see this like stuff about this i i did and i i actually am shocked you put this on here because this is the type of bullshit that i wouldn't even touch so okay, please yeah. go ahead and and give the background here well uh, basically there's some stuff about like oh like uh legacy is not gonna be a pt qualifying format and it's like yeah that's true but that's also like kind of been true and i i guess you know some TOs, if they were just doing like a team event, would just do it anyway. There's um, also zero confirmation about this, though. Like, where is this information coming from? There is there is a list of like formats that you can use to qualify for the pro tour or something. Apparently, that's a thing. But my my only point on this, whether or not like it existed, it's true, it's new, whatever. I don't I don't care about any of that. My the only point I wanted to make was that Magic became better when things that used to be novel, like qualifying for the Pro Tour via Legacy or Popper or Cube or whatever, like that just became kind of normal. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Let them yeah. do it. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I Like when it comes to Pro Tour qualification, I think it should be roughly 10 times easier than it currently is. Let fucking everyone play. Let them buy slots. I, I do not care. There is no purity. There is no... Uh, competitive integrity behind the pro tour. I, I know like people want to tell themselves there is, and it's like this incredible level of achievement. And, and I, I get that you have to have something to strive for, but it's not real. It's not real. It, it just isn't like there, there is no, there never has been pure God, can, competitive integrity. Can we do a podcast on meritocracy? Uh, no, we can't please. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to participate. I'm pretty sure people, people know, my feelings on meritocracies and uh yeah no i will not do that podcast why it's it's just like it's one of those things where i, I can't present it without being facetious because it's so obvious to me and the people <laughs> the people who it's obvious who are there with you are just like yeah no shit you don't have to talk like the, actually the people on your side don't even want to hear it because it's so fucking obvious and then the people who are against you don't care like they're not listening to logic and facts like they, they just don't matter and i feel like i'd just be screaming into the void for an hour and a half so and i would scream it's something i get very worked up about but uh there's that's, just no benefit to it that sounds cathartic to me honestly that's that's the exact type of podcast i need to do right now 
Yeah, we should just rename the podcast Screaming Into the Void. I think that's the right messaging. It's probably already taken, but yes, I agree. That'd be Mm -hmm. good. Okay, off of that uh, bullshit form of discourse, and we can talk about the the big thing, I guess, which is uh, there is a tournament in Baltimore this weekend that I'm going to be attending. Yeah, and just as a threshold matter before uh, we talk about this tournament, I just want to point out that I... Uh, asked you to be my teammate for the tournament in Baltimore, and you turned me down. So that's that's I think a threshold matter before we get into any of this, and and then we can continue with the discussion. This was for flesh and blood. Uh, listen, let's not worry about the details. The this important is for thing a is game I I literally don't know the rules to. I I asked you to be my teammate for the event in Baltimore, and you said no. So that's that's where we're at right now. I so feel like you, you're leaving out some key information here. Well, eh, whatever. Uh man. Okay. Um, is that this weekend or something? We'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's the same event. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be there. You want to you want to go and team with someone who's not me, and we can hang no. out. No, I don't. Thank you. No, I, I have to. Uh, I, I fly to Auckland next Saturday, and I find that as I get closer to that trip, my appetite for leaving my house gets less and less. So I'm gonna skip this one. Okay. Well. Uh, there is a legacy main event. There are a bunch of uh, modern RCQs. And then I think we should talk about Pioneer a little bit too. Okay, sure. So what what is your main goal? What do you want to play while you're there? <laughs> I kind of want to play a nothing. But... Okay, that's what I would expect. <laughs> that would have been very high on my list of choices. Um, So I am locked into a team event in Cincinnati. Okay, that's exciting. Where, where I am very likely going to be the legacy seat. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, I guess there's this thing in, in Baltimore. Maybe I should actually like try and play the main event and learn stuff. But like, realistically, that doesn't, it's it's not a good rationale because I could always just play legacy on Magic Online whenever I wanted. Right. So it's not like I need to play in this event in order to practice for the other one or yeah, maybe, maybe i can make an argument that like the metagame information is pretty useful but i also expect that you don't actually need to be there to get that yeah could so. also just bird's eye view that shit pretty easily anyway um i was thinking about it and and looking at legacy and it's it's just been so long since there ha- have been any like massive legacy events or like consistent amount of like scg tour events to like shape the metagame and like solidify it right right so legacy is still just in like this shit show era that i kind of hate because back in the early days of the scg tour it was like well i can i can build some blue mid-range deck to like prey on all of the five percent of the metagame share decks right yeah and now you just can't do that because the the decks that exist are doing such wildly divergent things and there's no good catch-all or whatever. So like you really have to be basically just like proactive. It's not like, Oh, I'll just, you know, interact with you, like stop all of the important things that you're going to do. It's like, no, I just kind of have to like kill you or do something that invalidates all that stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, there are ways to go about doing that in a blue deck, certainly, but nothing that really strikes my fancy. So, then I was thinking about whether or not there is a legacy deck that does that that is tolerable, and I think I found one. And I I think based on 
like kind of where the metagame is at. You know how like Modern and Pioneer are now doing this thing where it's, well, I guess Modern's been doing this for a while, but it's like, all right, this week we play Graveyard Hate and next week we play Artifact Hate and whatever. Mm. Uh, Legacy is currently in the cy- cycle where my deck is very bad. So okay. I, I don't think I'm going to do well. I'm playing the uh, blue eight cast deck. Okay. Interesting. I would have put you on Neuro deck for sure. Yeah, but like that's the problem, right? Is like you you just like do Uro stuff and then you die. Uh, probably true a lot of the time, but also like I I like those decks. That's certainly what I gravitate towards. It just does not seem feasible. I I guess I would ask what you are optimizing for with your deck choice. Like like what are you trying? Where are you trying to get your edge? Because when I see the Uro deck, I'm like, well, you'll play uh. Probably about a 10 turn game. I, I expect you'll find ways to successfully draw things out. Uh, I think you'll make, on average, much better decisions than your opponents over the course of those 10 turns. And then you will win a higher percentage of games because you get a chance to uh, leverage that decision making. Whereas when it comes to eight cast, I don't necessarily feel that way. So that that sort of logic was true in, you know, like 2010. Yeah. Where each decision that you make is like plus or minus one percentage point of equity or whatever and eventually that and it was up. it was huge and like, like that was that was yeah. legacy to a t like no it just, was absolutely but and that's in, one of the reasons i fell in love with the format for sure in, in this case they're like all right i'm gonna blow it on turns one through four but then like top deck or reanimate on turn five and you're you just lose you lose yeah. on the spot so the amount of uh small equity gains that you get is true but ultimately does not determine whether or not you win or lose the game yeah yeah and i I think that's like kind of uh it's applicable to a lot of forms of magic i believe and i I don't think legacy is immune to that yeah a lot of them are getting there i think probably why i like modern the most right now is that yes the modern decks are doing like kind of messed up stuff but it's less messed up compared to what other every other deck is capable of doing Mm -hmm. whereas in in pioneer even like People can do some messed up stuff comparable to what your deck is doing. You know, it's like Rakdos versus Lotus Field or the Enigmatic Fires deck or, you know, anything like that, where it's just like those decks have huge power spikes available to you, to them, and you have none, right? Yeah. And so that is basically sort of what I'm optimizing for, where it's like I have Force of Will and Chalice. I'm playing multiple spells per turn. I, I think that it's pretty easy to just get out in front of anyone doing like mid rangey stuff and then uh, leverage your minuscule bit of disruption to, to put away the other decks. So you're, you're sort of like Delvering or I guess Eldrazi is like a more apt comparison. And I don't know, you're like, Oh, the, the small edges like this, this doesn't give it to you. And I, I think that you're right about that, but I also liked playing Eldrazi and the fact that it was a very much like you know you have a ceiling on the amount of decisions you have per turn and mm-hmm. then you pass the turn and you just put your hand down because you're like not really interacting with anything that they <laughs> it's do, a level right? of freedom in it I'll say that it's it's limit poker compared to no limit mm-hmm. and I enjoy that every once in a while that's all uh, I feel you I mean I've, I've registered Eldrazi Tron in a tournament I felt okay about it. And then 
uh, take a couple years no, no, break. Not, and... no, not Eldrazi Tron, man. No, no, Eldrazi Tron counts. <laughs> Eldrazi Tron counts. It, it's the same play style, but it wasn't, you know, you didn't have like Ancient Tomb type of stuff. And this deck, this deck is actually good. Ancient Tomb goes a long way. Uh, but it's just surprising to me that like, I don't know, if I were to play a Legacy Tournament, I think my default, in the absence of seeing something that I was just like, oh yeah, this is this is smart, this is lining up really well, this is what I'm excited about, my default is always going to be to pick up my Delvers, just because comfortable. I uh, there, There's some... There's some of that like win on turn one equity without actually winning on turn one where you just, you know, days wasteland your opponent and then the game's over and that feels very good. Um, it is surprising to me that you don't approach it the same way because I, I know you are also a Delver fan, maybe not as much as I am, but lean that way. Were the current iterations of Delver decks just not appealing to you or... Uh, do you do you not think it checks that box anymore? Does it run into the same problem that you're kind of saying where you play the small ball game and then you just get invalidated by a bunch of things? I, I tried Delver a bunch of times and, and and tried doing it the actual right way, which mm. is to say, like, not doing dumb shit like signing out Delvers and siding in, like, draw twos or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that in the absence of a lot of those games where you like mana screw someone like just days wasteland them out that it, I, I just like lacked closing speed a lot of the time. Like, yes, I would be ahead for a while, but basically everyone over the course of like a, a three game match would be able to stabilize in two of those games. And I don't know, just something, something felt off to me about the card, like Delver of Secrets just in general in legacy. Mm-hmm. It's just like not fast enough really. And Certainly it's, you know, been 10 plus years or whatever since that card has existed and people know of its existence and it's always very prevalent, right? Like people are getting better at, at building their decks and mulliganing yeah, against it and making sure yeah. that like the days wasteland, uh, you know, shout out to stifle, <laughs> like all, all that kind of bullshit, like just doesn't, doesn't get them. Um, so it, it makes it way harder. Uh, too so i don't know it's just it's never really on my radar unless there's something really specifically good about the delver deck like oh actually you know lightning bolt kills all of the threats that matter in the format Mm. or Mm. lightning bolt is like also interaction against this combo deck or something and right now it's just like all of the decks are like zero mana spells like fast mana uh lightning bolt sucks delver kind of sucks like they they banned a bunch of your good cards, you know, like these sorts of things where I'm just like, uh, like why why would you even do this to yourself? Yeah, so I, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I have stayed entirely up to date on the legacy format. I'm just kind of bringing myself up to speed, going through the last few challenges, and it seems like Delver's evolution is to add Tarmogoyf, and when whenever I see that as the evolution, uh, I get very concerned. Now, granted, the green is also for like Minsk and Boo in the sideboard, which uh i am a fairly large fan of like the idea of the non-blue threat for the mirror matches that can't be pyroblast that's always been a real thing right and i've, I've played all of them. i remember playing like a johnny vengeant and oh yeah whatever there, there are a lot of hydroblasts now for for that reason too. yes so. smart <laughs> yeah you, you have to diversify a little bit um so it's interesting but 
Tarmogoyf definitely gives me pause. Not a card I want to see work its way into my deck list. Yeah, it, it doesn't do anything except attack a block. And yep. I, I just don't like having that lack of versatility in a format that also just has a bunch of decks that have like pretty reasonably sized ground creatures, you know? Yep, that makes sense to me. Uh, one of the things that is quite clear to me is how important artifacts have become in the format. There's just a lot of fast mana type stuff, um, weird combo-y things. Are you worried about Splash 8 at all, trying to play something like 8-cast? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's basically what I preface this all with, where Legacy is currently in a state where basically everyone has like a bunch of meltdowns in their sideboard, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a, a bad place to be. Uh, I got I got a bunch of Force of Wills and uh, some Force of Negations, and I got some Hydroblasts of my own, and uh, we'll see. Uh, well, but yeah. There is something to be said that like a lot of the tools they are using are contemplating uninteractive artifact decks, right? Like you are in, you're, you're not combo artifact. You are, you are a different style and you are able to leverage things like say Hydroblast and Meltdown becomes a not very efficient card in those scenarios. It's not, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's possible that Frozen Grip up... or whatever artifact removal you would use to right. sidestep any kind of interaction. Yeah. And it's possible that I just end up with like a Kappa Cannoneer and Thought Monitor in play or whatever. And like, maybe your Meltdown sucks too. Like that's also possible. Yeah. And yeah. you could have like Emery or Psy that lets you rebuild pretty easily, you know, and a lot of, I think the post-board games are just going to be attempting to mitigate that card and that sort of effect as, as best as you possibly can. And uh, I was doing my homework, uh, basically going through decklist this morning and looked at uh, Legacy Showcase, where it was won by this five-color green deck that was, I don't know, basically Omnath, but make it Legacy, mm -hmm. and had a very uh, wide Green Sun Zenith package. So, like, they have access to main deck collector oof. Okay. Yeah. And also, like, meltdowns in the sideboard and stuff. And it was like, oh, that's that's bad. Yeah. Uh, hope Hope this isn't a real thing. Uh, keep scrolling through the top eight, and there's just like two more copies of the same deck in top eight. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably just going to get smashed in this tournament. Or it's going to be one of those things where it's like, I beat the people who don't have the right sideboard cards or the ones that I thought like, hey, this is a pretty good matchup to like queue into, you know, and I expect some amount of this or whatever. Yeah. And then it, it's but, like, I'm going to lose to like all the, the meltdown and five color people and be like X6 out of cash or something. And that, that's like say, the most miserable experience. It is. I, I will say I have no idea who will show up to this tournament. I have no idea about their level of legacy knowledge, experience. I expect it'll be like some old legacy heads who are excited for the opportunity to play legacy again. I don't think this new expansion of Magic players has brought in many new legacy players. I would be shocked if that was a real thing. Uh, I don't know who like owns a legacy collection these days. It feels like a lot of people have checked out of that. So I I have no idea what's going to happen with this tournament. I don't know who's attending. I don't know what the numbers are going to be like. That'll be very interesting to see how many people actually participate in it. Um, yeah, kind of a fascinating event, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it is in the Northeast, and Northeast is traditionally pretty solid for yeah, traditionally legacy uh, community and whatnot. So if the tournament is relatively small or honestly, even if it's pretty big, I would expect the average player to be quite good. I think that's fair. I think you should be looking at a, a better player base than your typical 
SCG con event. Uh, I, I would even say much better than your typically SCG con event would be my range of expectation. Yeah. So my, my hope is that people are just like, uh, like, do I need these meltdowns? Like who the hell plays ACAST or whatever? It's <laughs> just like they they outsmart themselves. They're like, oh, I'd really like to have an additional sideboard card for the five-color Yorian mirror you see. Yeah. Yeah, I man, what what do you think the most played deck is? Uh like I'm pretty easy delver if you like just group them all together, but I don't know. That's it's what, sort of what's the, what's the percentage look like for the most played deck? Um, I will say fifteen percent if you group all the delvers. Okay. I have no idea. Like, then, I don't even want to make a prediction. I I don't know what's going to show up. And then maybe reanimator is like eight percent or something. I don't know. Okay. At, at least hope- at least looking at Magic Online stuff, you know, but. Yeah, I don't know if that means anything. I, I hope we get a Karsten tweet breaking down this tournament. This is the one I really want. So no, if we get, I don't, if I don't we get those boxes. I don't think he cares about SCGs, which uh, is completely I, fine and reasonable. I understand. Yeah. Somebody else, make the make that box tweet for me. All right. Uh, if I don't play Legacy, I, I might play some Modern, I guess? Question okay. mark? What you got? Uh constructed ready to shuffle up in that format dude nothing i got okay. i got nothing sounds like you're not very well prepared well, i mean i'm prepared it's just that i haven't haven't made a choice you know what i mean like i i know do, do you have all the all the cards you need or are you oh, are you ready to go God, no i mean i have okay. i have most cards for most things and is I that have... a problem like i i honestly, honestly don't know can you show up to this event and buy every card you need Will that so be... i i missed the uh pick up on-site pre-order window. Yeah. Because obviously I'm short some stuff for stupid 8-cast. And I was getting my list together and figuring out the stuff that I needed. And then, you know, it was just like, oh, okay, this closes like way earlier than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. Um, So Urza's Bobble <laughs> is the card that I'm like, you know, shit, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that. And yeah, there's certainly a lot of stuff like that for modern and, uh, you know, just any format, really. Yeah. yeah, a lot of weird cards out there these days. Yeah, and back in the day, it probably wouldn't have been a, a big issue because I could just like tweet it or whatever, and there's a thousand people there that all have full collections or whatever, and now I'm, I just don't feel as confident or comfortable doing that. So it's like, I'll go to like two vendors and then give up. Right, as is the way. But yeah, obviously, if, if I wanted to, to try hard enough and if I cared enough, like there is basically like nothing that would stop me from acquiring whatever cards I needed. Like for example, if what I needed to do was like drive to an LGS and buy boosters to like crack some bullshit common or whatever, like I would do that. That's well within my range. If I actually cared about being able to play in the event. Yeah. Understood. You know? So, uh, do, do like, things exist for me to be able to find all the the cards that i would need yeah sure technically yes but am i going to do them hell no yeah i am i'm not nearly as as try hard as i was so uh I, i would simply just not play instead but uh yeah modern uh creativity is the best deck in a vacuum and 
We are in the weeks where people are packing like Orvars and just all kinds of hate, right? Like hollow mm. moonlights, just mono nonsense. Yeah, a lot of hollow moonlights. Yeah. So just everything and anything you can to try and beat them. Uh, that said, deck is still pretty good, right? Um, I like Is It Breach, again, in a vacuum. Uh, I think the, the more successful lists have been the ones that splash white, but I also saw some kind of interesting like blue-red lists, and then I also had a pretty good idea for shoring up some of the issues in, in blue-red. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that it has sort of the same problems as a lot of what's going on in legacy where basically every single deck that exists now is just, you know, playing zero mana spells and doing powerful stuff. And mm. there are very few matchups where you're just like nickel and diming them with like DRCs and lightning bolts. So like, what, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing, Gerald? That well, is, that I, is the million dollar question. And now we are caught up to the present day, Brian, that's yeah. that's where we are. That is an excellent question. One I'm still trying to answer myself. Uh, I looked at Burn for a moment. If that tells you where my head is at, <laughs> things are going south. That's where we're. That's where we're headed. It's like okay, it doesn't seem that bad against X, Y, and Z, right? And then, well, if that were true, it would be doing better than the occasional top thirty-two in a challenge, right? You know? And and then it would be bad again. So. Yeah, probably. But in in theory, it plays out. Uh, pretty well with a bunch of things like Roiling Vortex and uninteractive stuff. But uh, yeah, it just kind of is slow compared to a lot of what the other stuff is doing. So I don't really like that. Uh, we're still in a place where there's like also a lot of Hammer and Cascade hate. So mm-hmm. I think that Rhinos has done a good job adapting to that and being like a little bit more versatile. But if I were going to play a Cascade deck, it would be Living End. Yep. Uh, I would not touch regular Murktide with a pole of any length. I'm just not about that. Uh, Rakdos Scam seems fine. And I think that there are some cool things that you can do with that archetype too. But mm. that was actually the thing I was going to highlight as a deck that I feel like both kind of suits you and that you could potentially make better than it presently is yeah so there is a, a list i sent you that you you left on red that was the goblin bombardment blood gas mayhem devil version of mm-hmm. the deck yeah which i you know i thought i'd get some sort of like oh that's cool reaction or whatever i thought no, it is it. it is cool yeah it is cool yeah there you go. there's your reaction <laughs> you just ignored me instead but uh <laughs> uh i i don't necessarily like mayhem devil bombardment because it's again a little too small ball for what everyone else is doing but the idea of just like adding in some blood gas because like you kill people with chip damage so often it's just like you know random one one tokens left behind or whatever Mm. and if at some point you filter away a blood gas to a pyromancer or a fable or something and then you just have this recurring piece of like blood gas hitting them like that actually doesn't sound that bad. It sounds better to me than playing like the random Croxa, even though there's upside to Croxa, like it being a gold card for your eight pitch cards, you know, like that's cute. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of interested in like trying a couple blood gas and an otherwise stock list. And then there are some shadow lists. I saw one that was playing shadow and expressive iteration and iteration in mm. this deck that is just like pitching its hand away does sound really good. It's interesting. It's yeah. an interesting adaptation. Yeah. 
I think blood gas is very cool. It does feel more like a sideboard card to me, or like where there's like one of in the main deck, you hope to spike it, and then you go up to like three in matchups where it's particularly good. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. maybe or like a, a two and one or one and two. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like Death Shadow stuff. And then I saw someone that were just like Rakdos, but with Death Shadow, and then also like a copy, couple copies of Obnixilis to yeah. Wombo Combo with that guy. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like I, that's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm down with this because the deck really wants to fetch Blood Crypt because you have like Void Walker Season Pyro and you want Thoughtseize as your discard spell because Inquisition is just not cutting it in a land of like Solitudes and Primeval Titans and Merktides and stuff. Like you just have yeah. to play Thoughtseize. So you're already uh -huh. like punching yourself in the face some. Why not? Why not just go all the way, you know? Yeah. Half the way there. Sure. That makes sense. So I don't know. There, There's some interesting stuff there, but I... I wouldn't say that I don't have the bandwidth. I just spent it doing other stuff, like rearranging my room. Well, I think that was time well spent. Also, uh, I'd be remiss to say if the most, if I didn't say the most recent modern challenge was in fact won by Blue White Control. So I'm sure you're giving that uh, a no, good hard look, dude. That's Waffo though. That doesn't count. There is another copy, uh, I believe, in the top eight. Who, you're who right. Was I, who was it? Uh, hold on. Uh, it's not in the top eight. It's in the top 12. Yeah, it doesn't count. doesn't count. Very similar looking deck, but yeah, it's top 12. It doesn't count. Yeah, not about it. Not about it. There's there's nothing exciting about Like, if you were looking through the list for, to be like, oh, yeah, here's the evolution of blue. No, it's still just blue-white cards. Yeah, Waffo with a Hollowed Moonlight main deck. Yep. <laughs> Bunch more in the sideboard. Yeah, three more in the sideboard. Good God. Like you, you kind of, uh, kind of need to with decks like this because otherwise Veil of Summer just beats the crap out of you, you know. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, Hotland Moonlight's a fine card. It's very narrow, but if that's what the format's about, it seems fine to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't really like narrow in in modern. Like, ideally, if it's a card like that where it's like, oh, I just want to stop this, you know, four mana spell or whatever. I would hope that you could do better, but you you just you can't really because they have the best counterplay imaginable. Yeah, I I also am more accepting of narrow, where like you are not very polarized, and like you don't need your sideboard to fix matchups. You're just already playing a bunch of fifty fifties anyway, and then like you just get spikes for yeah. certain prevalent matchups. I, I think that's a fine way to go about things, and that's more or less what Waffo sideboard is doing. He has like crumble to dust, rest in peace, stony silence, flame yeah. blitz, blossoming yeah. palm, just all hammers. I think that's the way to do it when you're building a deck like this. Yeah, I do too. Um, I don't, I don't think that amulet is that bad. It does have like slight force of vigor problems or whatever, and like it being kind of slow compared to other stuff is kind of a problem. You know, like it's it does have some issues, right? But like, as far as I can tell, that's the thing where I'm just like, eh, maybe this is like the most generically good right now. Hmm interesting uh it it does feel to me as a former amulet truther it feels to me like the format has changed unfortunately and it there's just like there's no edge there anymore you're neither uh the strongest deck in the like turns four through five region you 
have still those explosive starts, but now a bunch of other decks do as well. It used to be the only deck in modern where you're able to do this stuff. That is not the case anymore. Things have dramatically changed. And uh, I I still like Amulet. I think it's about a 49% deck. Like there's just not a ton of great matchups and you can play it. And if you're really good with it, you'll probably be okay. But uh, for a long time, the deck was able to carry me. And I think the opposite has to be true now. Yeah, it's it's no longer about the deck having raw power. Like, I think you still have a little bit more raw power than most people, and you do it a little, little bit better bit. on average. But a little bit. The fact that things are much closer to even now is certainly concerning. And yeah, like Primeval Titan is just not a very impressive end game. Like, I I kind of want them. To, to get something like newer and better. Like I want the the lotus versions of the deck to to be like a good version of the thing. You know, I want them to get some improvement. Because like the deck deserves a little bit of an upgrade at this point. It could use it. Yeah. There was a period where it felt like every single set was just like amulet card, amulet card, amulet card. Yeah. And which is weird because the deck is, it is like so narrow and goofy. It is weird, but it you just kept kept getting these like really small but because you were a a tutory type deck like you just need one copy and then the way you're able to play changes pretty dramatically yeah um and they got a lot of that to say nothing of things like saga where you just had like a hard tutor built in for your best card that also was just like your primary card type like that was about as good as it could get yeah yeah so i don't know i'm i'm up in the air uh saw some stuff about like bring to like scape shift being good and it's like i kind of buy that because i think that the omnath stuff like what it's trying to do just like good cards and pitch cards is good but you look at uh a lot of you know like wafo success where it's like well you know a lot of that is just on the back of like solitude leyline binding which is like a lot of the stuff that i like about omnath and then creativity has a lot of the same stuff going for it where you have you know ren and teferi and leyline binding and so yeah, a lot of these just that package like, goes to a lot of places yeah exactly it used to be like oh omnath was like the only deck capable of doing stuff like that but now it's just like oh, anyone can kind of like splash this where they want it so then is the card omnath actually good and i think the answer to that is a pretty resounding no yeah medium yeah medium so card. i think uh bring to light scapeshift is doing that same sort of stuff where you have leyline binding and uh you know a bunch of the good cards right but you actually have like this finish at the top end instead of just dirtily nonsense so i think that that's okay too but definitely has a lot of problems for someone else to solve yeah maybe i don't know basically uh everything stinks the end well that's uh I mean, that seems correct, just broadly speaking. Uh, also true about most Magic formats. Everything stinks a little bit. Speaking of a format where everything stinks, Pioneer check-in? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, the end of this podcast is brought to you, again, by a Frank Carson tweet. So uh, Frank tweeted out the Pioneer metagame and win rates from last weekend's regional championships in Athens and Taipei, which is just absolutely wonderful. And... The top two decks uh, for win percentage were Azorius Lotus Field and Azorius Control. Yeah, Azorius Control is odd. Not not exactly what I was expecting to see dominate. I will point out sample sizes here are smaller 
Like this is not the huge trove of data we the, had previously. The control one is pretty big though. It is, uh, let's see, 280 matches with a 56% win rate. So really dominant performance by Azorius Control, I would say. Uh, favorable Rakdos Sacrifice matchup, which as we predicted, uh, did pick up a bit. Uh, it's there. It's not anywhere near eclipsing Rakdos mid-range and it's looking at like about 600 matches of Rakdos mid-range versus about 250 of Rakdos Sacrifice. However, Rakdos Sacrifice with a 54% win rate, Rakdos mid-range, 47% win rate. So these things are not built the same. But the point is Azorius Control did well against uh, all versions of Rakdos, really. It's, it's beating up on it, whether you're playing the Lotus Field version or the traditional version, and so... Well, Azorius Control went 45% against Sack. Oh, okay, yeah, like yeah, softer matchup against Sack. Yeah, okay. Beating up on the the OG Reactor's mid-range at 61%. But. Yeah. Um. So, that's that's cool, I guess. Um. I, I didn't really look at the lists, so I don't know if the Azorius Control decks were, like, any different, or if it's more of just the same, and maybe the format got a little bit better for it or whatever but uh the lotus field azorius lotus field win percentage is about where i expected it but yeah like twenty two seventeen is like such a small sample size that it's, it's just like nothing to me yeah i think that this is just too small to really take any conclusion from i, I still think we're headed towards an azorius lotus field uh downturn sometime in the next collection of results but okay uh yeah, just just too small here to really take away any conclusion. Uh, third place, Boros Convoke. I know that it won the RC in Athens. Uh, yeah, overall fifty five point six percent win rate. Caught him slipping, Gerald. I think I think they caught him slipping. Like all the focus was on this deck for that first round. It's and a very they just medium. Caught all the cards. I think so. Yeah, I think it became like the. It was the focal point of the format, and it very much became not that. And you see what happens if you don't pay attention to a deck like this. So Convoke went uh three and eight against Mono Green, uh five and six against Fires, six and seven against Azorius Control, four and eight against Rakdos Sack, but otherwise had positive matchups. Yeah, beating up on mono white humans, uh which man, there's some real polarized matchups for mono white humans. You need to make a really confident metagame call before you're bringing that deck to any tournament. I I would stay away from that deck. Uh wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Mm. I was looking at humans for modern and kind of for pioneer too, but ultimately decided that it was kind of similar to burn where it's like, oh yeah, this does like, you know, 5-0 quite a bit or whatever, but then just gets obliterated in the challenges and stuff. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick up the cards to have them like just in case I just want to like splash around at some point, but I would never, I, I don't think register that deck in pioneer if my ultimate goal was to win the tournament yeah good thinking i support that uh recto sack 54 percent, not bad 131 and 111 uh bad against fires 32 percent, 43 percent against creativity positive matchups everywhere else that looks pretty good yeah, that's kind of to be expected and uh yeah that does that does look quite good uh of really kind of surprising result. Lotus Field went two and nine against Rakdos Sack. So if that is actually representative of a swing 
in Rakdos's favor for that match. Like that was kind of like against the regular Rakdos list, Lotus Field went 54%. And these are pretty small sample sizes. So yeah, if, if that's away. if that's real, then yeah. like slam dunk, Rakdos is where deal. you want to be. I agree. I Especially in fields against better players where I expect some more Lotus Field to show up. Uh, things like, you know, Pro Tours, I, I think Rakdos sack gets a lot of points in those scenarios. Yeah, you're kind of bad against like four mana sorcery mid-range, combo mid-range, sure. like fires yeah, or creativity or whatever, sense. but like you're good against everything else. And if that's what it takes, like, you know, utilizing your sideboard cards to beat up on on Lotus Field and control and making sure that you solidify your matchups against like creature decks. And again, I count Mono Green Devotion as a creature deck, you know, like two to three furnace rains in the sideboard or whatever. Yeah. Then I think it's completely fine to just kind of like eat it to the the sorcery decks because creativity did real bad uh 48 yeah. i guess it's not real bad but it's pretty uh bad. yeah for like a deck that's supposed to i mean it's kind of in the same boat as rakdos midrange where it's supposed to be very much headlining the format and it's just not getting the job done right now yeah and then enigmatic fires uh 49 that one is a little bit weirder to me because i don't know what the lists look like and it's like there are lists from a month ago and then there are the updated lists with like a coma and mm-hmm. i think the coma is really very good it looks certainly very good against like mono green devotion and whatnot just being able to like slow them down because i don't know we we're talking about like their power spike turn and it ultimately having no impactful thing to get against devotion or whatever and it's like no actually like coma is quite good that's a big difference maker i mean in a deck where you're tutoring finding the pieces you need it it really does make a big deal if you have that one piece so yeah so i i think the the upgrades for that deck are significant and i also think the the metagaming aspect of it is pretty important too where uh elliot raff had you know like main deck temporary lockdowns in the boros convoke format and like i don't know if people were still caring about convoke in this event or not um so yeah, I think that there's a lot of stuff you could do to make those numbers go up and have that yep. deck perform a little bit better. But Sure, makes sense. Creativity, I think, is just kind of stuck. And we sort of talked about that last week where it's just like, I don't know, is, is World Spine Worm good? Is the Traxa good? Like, kind of no in a lot of instances. So, Yeah, middle of the road these days, which is odd. Uh, I don't want to go like deck by deck, but I, I do think it's worth checking in on Mono Green Devotion after a pretty strong performance last week, uh, things trending down here, 48.2% win rate. Looks like the second most played deck after Rakdos mid-range, I believe. Uh, anything to make of a bit of a downturn here? Looking like a tough Azorius control matchup in this bracket, 35%, uh, 12 and 22 in that matchup. Yeah, and just like losing uh, a little bit against Rakdos Sacrifice too, when I think before against uh mid-range like you're you're eating pretty good you know like yep. y- you got it in good in that matchup for sure yeah it's 56 percent here against rakdos mid-range and 43 percent against rakdos sacrifice so that's a that's a big difference yeah so losing a little bit to humans beating fires in creativity uh yeah losing to Zori's control losing a little bit to rakdos sacrifice like the, i mean these numbers aren't bad but like it's just uh another case of monocreen devotion is just the deck that it is like there's not a whole lot of room to maneuver you know like there's maybe 10 cards you can play with in the entire 75 yep for sure 
what else? What else strikes you as interesting? I, I think that's about it. The main thing is my takeaway is just like I, if I was playing a pioneer tournament, I would be playing Rakdos Sacrifice. And I, I don't even think it's all that close. I think so many things about the numbers here are very, very appealing to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Cool. We're on the same page. Um, So when I was putting together my list of like cards to, to pick up in Baltimore, I had the, the feign death nonsense on there. Mm. And in regards to like the death shadow versions, I was also going to get Malakir rebirths. Okay. And just, just stocking up on these, uh, you know, anti-death effects. When certainly I've, I've written on the back of many of these cards, right? Yes, for sure. Malakir rebirth is $6 in case you were wondering. Wow. So, you know, fuck me, I guess. Um, (laughs) but, uh, other things is that, a, is that a Zendikar card? Yeah, it's it's an uncommon DFC. That's why. It's it's just like good, right? You yeah. know, if you're if you're playing commander and have some creatures or whatever, it's probably just good. Yeah. I don't I don't know yeah. what Balaged Rebirth is, for example. I, I don't imagine it's six dollars, but if it's like three dollars, I wouldn't be shocked. Just priced out of the Malakir Rebirth game. That's tough. Uh, but yeah, also uh, among that list of cards was stuff that I was missing for sacrifice, like some furnace veins or furnace rains. Balagad recovery, two dollars and twenty cents. Yeah, so still like pretty good for an uncommon right. uh, in the current era. But yeah, no, those those cards are great. Uh, but yeah, we do. We're in agreement. Uh, I would I would rack sack all the way. I like the additions that the deck has gotten. I like the changes that people have made. I like the fact that, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, like Corvold showed up all the time, right? And you would kind of expect the Obnix list to show up a decent amount. Like people would just mm-hmm. trick themselves into thinking it's good or whatever. I guess people like tried it and had bad experiences with it. But I, I like the fact that they are staying level-headed and not playing it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I played it. It was kind of bad. But Racto Sacrifice is still good. You know? Yeah, the the thing about sacrifice, and I, I think this has always been true through all of its iterations. It's about that core, and I think you're always best emphasizing the core, ensuring the core functions, staying lean, clean, understanding that, like, yes, things can go over top of you. Yes, you will run into enigmatic fires, and it can feel kind of helpless sometimes. Uh, but that is what your deck does. You lean into your strengths and in fact i think by trying to just like always 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 do that a plan b as lean and consistent as possible you probably make yourself better against things like those mid-range decks rather than having weird hammers that they just ultimately prepare for anyways yeah and i mean 30 percent against fires 40 percent against creativity like i can live with those numbers you you still have a shot you know it's you're not a 10 percent matchup or anything like one in one in three ain't bad I think that's completely fine. So I, I like it a lot. Rakdos Gamers, let's go. Rakdos Gamers. Uh, if, if the event were Pioneer, we'd have an easy cast, an easy yes. what would Jerry play kind of situation going on here. But uh, I don't know. I guess the fact that his legacy also makes it kind of easy for me, at least. Like you might be surprised by my deck choice, but it's pretty straightforward to me. And then. Uh, for modern, I, I don't know, man, I'll figure it out. Might just be determined by like what cards I have and what I've sleeved up. Who knows? Yeah. The easiest deck to build. That's always the correct solution. Yeah. But like, 
the new cards have been pretty good. So I'm, you know, every set has like five cards that I want to own. Right. For Especially a- this Lord of the Rings set, right? You're just beating down the door trying to pick those up. Oh, that's legal for this. Uh, well, it is. It is. There's like three cards that matter. Okay. I'll say that. Okay. Um. Yeah. I guess. I guess maybe I should look at look into that because like that was not part of like any of the conversations I had either. Was like I was. Is this playable? I saw like a footsteps, uh, protein Hulk deck that now has a like very small kill. Uh, is it the Samwise? Yeah. Kill? Yeah. Yeah. Alderfilier. I think that's pretty legitimate, actually. I think there's a lot of shells you can put that in. Yeah. yeah that is that is probably the best card for modern. I was set. like, oh damn, like that that is actually legit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I've I've written articles about Protean Hulk maybe not that long ago. And I, I mean I don't even know like Protean Hulk is fine. I like I, I agree Protean Hulk is a real card. I don't even know if you have to go that. Like there's probably a a very creature centric way to do this and just have good matchups across the board, I think, and not be as all in combo. Uh, or maybe you have a nice flexible sideboard plan where you're a protean Hulk deck sometimes, and then you're like this fair creature deck in other spots. And that, that all seems possible to me, which is pretty exciting. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a food token. That's just like, how is, wait, sacrifice three foods, return target historic card from your graveyard. Oh, to your hand. That's okay. That's less scary, but uh, it is. But I could still see that being useful, honestly. Yeah, the the first part of this seems like very abusable. I don't know exactly yes. what you do, but like there are so many like food four piece uh, combo decks with like manufacturer and whatnot that I'm sure yeah. that there's a bunch with this too. No, I think this cleans up a lot of stuff. Uh, and as predicted, Samwise Gamgee will rise up, take over the modern metagame. We all knew it was coming. There's a lot of fear of Bill the Pony, but ultimately it was always going to be Sam Wise's day. Yeah, I, we should have known or something. Yep. No more Lord of the Rings discourse. I, I hope sorry. I hope all these cards fail so we never have to talk about them. No, uh, I think you're gonna I think you might talk about this one. I think it might happen. <laughs> I I played Narcy Q and I got I got Gamgeed over and over uh, again. That's gonna happen. I'm I'm just not gonna tell anyone that story. I'm just gonna be like I I didn't <laughs> just play. Skip it. Yeah. Yeah. I was late to my round and got DQ'd. That's yeah, that works. I cheated. Story. I was eliminated. Game. Good luck.